if you if you are a perfectionist, more likely you will have more chances of having imposter syndrome because you are waiting for everything to be perfect. And because you are pretty much aware that you are not perfect, mm -hmm. you will feel that everybody else know, but they don't know. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we enjoy our cup of coffee. Today's guest is Natalie Plamondon-Thomas, and she's going to be talking about mindset. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that if you really dive into deep with a lot of folks in imposter syndrome, just really kind of self-doubt is something that a lot of people struggle with, especially folks that are high achievers, those that are perfectionists, those that are really working hard to accomplish something. If you start to uncover some of the layers, you're going to find some of those things. And we're going to be talking a little bit about how to deal with that, but also how to set yourself up for uh, a, a positive mindset as you go through the day and as you start your day. Very eye-opening conversation that we're going to be having. But before we get into that, I do want to invite you to subscribe. We have a ton of these. And when I say a ton, we have like over 170 episodes out there waiting for you to check out uh, on this very type of topic about business ideas, practices, and strategies, ways that you can uh, better your business, better yourself. Uh, we talk about books. We talk about uh, business concepts, how to improve processes in your business as well. All of those things you can find out about them by subscribing because we have a brand new episode out every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. And we don't want you to miss a single episode. We do this in audio and video version. So wherever you're seeing this currently, make sure you subscribe. If you're uh, listening to this as you commute back and forth to work, make sure you subscribe so you get the latest episode every Tuesday morning. And then if you really want to see everything, the entire production, We've got a great video of this exact podcast available on our YouTube page and Facebook. Just search for LOC, DOC, INC, and you will find it. Grab a cup of coffee. Get ready for this conversation with Natalie. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes, and it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. Natalie, thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I've been uh, doing some research, but before we get into all of the, the discussion points today, which we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome and negative self-talk and kind of that internal dialogue that we have, um, and, and I would say this, and just as, as I guess a bit of a setup, I think it's the thing that a lot of us do or a lot of us, uh, but don't admit. Do you find that to be the case? Yeah, we don't really realize, and thank you, Chad, for having me on your show. Uh, we don't really realize the impact that our negative self-talk has, and we, we we don't do it with other people. Like You don't walk around telling people, oh, you look fat in these jeans, or, oh, you're starting your business. It's never going to work. You're not good enough. Like, we don't do that, but we do that to ourselves all the time. Like It's, it's, it's crazy. We we constantly, constantly trash talk ourselves and we don't realize that we're doing that. Like yeah. we wouldn't have any friends, you know, who would want to be your friends if, if you talk to them the same way you talk to yourself. Like yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Well, before we get into that entire conversation, we do have to handle rapid fire, five randomly selected questions just to get under your skin with unknown point values. And then we'll give you a score at the end. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Question number one. What was an experience that you didn't think much about at the time, but it ultimately made you a stronger person? Okay. One experience. Um, I didn't think any I didn't think a lot of it 
at the time, but it made me a stronger person. Um, I was teaching a, um, I, I've been teaching fitness for a long time and I did a presentation. Like I was, I was known for fitness, you know, um, bodybuilding, high intensity cardio, hardcore stuff. Right. Okay. And I did have a dance background that nobody knew of. And one day there's 30 of us. We do a dance presentation in front of about 150 people. Okay. And back then I was still pretty discreet, pretty shy at the gym. So I'm at the back. I'm not even, you know, front and center for that dance presentation. But I know that I'm rocking it, you know, and I'm dancing. And I can see that everybody's eyes are on me. Mm-hmm. And they're like totally on me. And, and I, I know that I'm totally rocking it. And after this, and you could see the shock in their face looking at me because I they didn't know I had a dance background. Gotcha. So later, about three weeks later, I have to say that I became the queen of the gym because it gave me so much confidence that dance presentation that everybody was looking at me that I owned the place. So I would walk in the gym. I would be so confident. I was more confident teaching my classes. My classes became packed and it had a huge impact on me. Three weeks later, one of my friends says, Natalie, I have to tell you, we're so impressed by you and the level of confidence that you showed after what happened. And I said, what happened? (laughs) What happened? Well, my boob was sticking out the whole time. Yes, sir. So that's what happened. That's why people were looking at me. It's not because I was rocking it. It's because I had a wardrobe malfunction. (laughs) But it gave me so much confidence that now it was too late to feel bad about it. Because somehow I had made something up in my head. Yeah. I had made up a story that they were looking at me because I was walking it and I became the queen of the gym, but now it was too late. I couldn't go back and say, Oh shoot. I should feel bad instead. Mm-hmm. It, it, it made a huge, huge difference for me. Wow. I had no idea that's where that was going. That was an incredible story. All right. <laughs> Next. <laughs> I think we'll just give you the hundred percent and move on. No, I just, all right. Question number two: What do you consider to be the best decision that you've made thus far in your life? The best decision I've made this far in my life was to finally quit quit my full time job and 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 trust that I could make money because you know how you're you've got this voice in your head, you know, that tells you, oh, you know, you got to keep your full-time job because you're never going to make it as an entrepreneur. You're not good enough and blah, blah, blah. And then, and eventually um, when, when I finally uh, quit and finally trusted that I could make it on my own, I double, triple my, my income so fast that I'm like, oh my gosh, if I had known that putting all my efforts in my business um, it was necessary. It was necessary because you always want to build. And this is my first advice when I do business mentorship, have somebody else pay for your business. You know, like don't uh, like make sure that like it's it's a good idea to have a another salary that comes in as you're starting your business and building your business because um, it, it doesn't happen overnight and gotcha. it did not happen overnight. It, t- it takes a long time before yeah. you uh but you don't have to make all the mistakes that I've made, though. Sure. You know, like, <laughs> well, I, gosh, wor- it took me so long. And worst case scenario, you can always go back and do the dance competition. So that, that works. 
Exactly. <laughs> question, question number three. What is something that will instantly annoy you? Oh, my gosh. I'm that person. So if I'm eating on a placemat and it's crooked, or if the door of the cupboard is open mm-hmm. in the kitchen, I can't concentrate. I also, I always need to have, um, you know, everything. I, I, I like order. So uh. things need to be organized and and i i feel like you know i don't have my cans in my cupboards in alphabetical order but i have to say that i i probably could i like to be organized i wasting time like i have a stream deck that if i push a button it redoes a task that i do very often Mm -hmm. like waste of time um organization like this is my i i really like that and it annoys me people that are disorganized or waste of time or uh yeah so that's so it's uh, basically you're not quite on the extreme of ocd but you do like to have things in order and you don't you, you don't like to deal with impatient people or you don't like to deal with very slow methodical people you like high energy yeah exactly or you know what now that you mentioned that i think there's something that annoys me even more it's negative people oh that that really annoys me um, it's a trigger to me. And then immediately I switch because emotions don't last long, like 30 to 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. So I go into my loop and then how do I exit the loop? I get into curiosity into I wonder what happened to that person for them to be like this. What, what could have happened to them in their past? How can I help? Yeah. Like I feel I immediately I start feeling imp- empathetic or, or thinking, I feel bad for them, you know, like yeah. I'm very lucky. I'm happy, but it's not necessarily luck. It's just that somehow I figured it out. But um, I, I, you have to get to that point where when people are super negative and um, to wonder, because I, I work with army vets that went to war. I do trauma, PTSD, people that have been abused, people that uh, like it, it's, it's, it's like heavy stuff, stuff yeah. and it does impact people like just last week somebody just had a um, motorcycle not a motorcycle a um, snowmobile accident um and and they're very aggressive very but they they still have these flash flashbacks all the time so mm-hmm. of course they're going to be aggressive at the grocery store because their head is pounding all the time you know what i mean like sure. when things happen to you anyways so i have to um uh, drink my own kool-aid there you go and you know, well, you, you, you could curious. use the you could use the phrase that my wife uses with me quite frequently, which is, "Why are you the way you are?" So that well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it it does. And when do you answer? Well, honey, if you, if I was not, you wouldn't be the most <laughs> lucky woman in the world. That's a great <laughs> response. I'm going to start using that. All right, thank you for that. This has been a successful podcast so far. Question number four, what's something that others purchase that you simply can't understand why? That people, that others purchase yeah. and I can't understand why, why people are purchasing that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I was not prepared. Ah. Um, people that others purchase, I have to say, um, I have to say stuff. <laughs> like. Things that you already have, you know, like you already have a pair of black pants. Why do you need another one? I'm not a, a typical, I have changed a lot. I do work with children in Haiti mm-hmm. and I have mm-hmm. learned the value of money 
it, it's it's pretty crazy. I sponsor a lot of child there, and um, it's thirty bucks for them to have a um, have a toothbrush, a bed sheet, sometimes a well one meal a day, and sometimes a an extra protein like a hard boiled egg or uh, a piece of chicken at Christmas and things like that. And it's costing me thirty bucks a month. So if I want a pair of boots that's ninety dollar, mm-hmm. it's three children. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Like how many mouths can I feed for that? Like I just went to try. I'm I like BMWs. We that's what we drive. And there's the new M1. You mm-hmm. know the new electric BMW. I want to try it and I love it. And then I'm like, it's not because I could afford it that I'm going to buy it. Because at the end of the day, how many mouths can I feed mm. for ninety plus thousand dollars? Like can you? Am I, is, is this making sense? You know, like yeah. all the goods, all the good that I could make. So, so things that are completely out of the, you know, things that are so expensive, like, you know, a, you know, a $5,000 pair of socks. Like why, yeah. why, yeah, yeah, why? Like how many mouths can you feed with that? You know, so, like. <laughs> so just, just completely unnecessarily expensive items that are, that aren't, aren't that important. Yeah, that's, yeah, anyway. Okay, I I like it. That's a good answer. Question number five, last one. If you could only ask one question to each person that you meet, what would that question be? Ah, that same question, or can I switch? I have one question, and and that's one question that you can ask everybody, yeah. One question that I'm going to ask everybody. Okay. Can I preface it with one one thing and then the question? So here's what I would say. Okay. I would say, you are awesome. Tell me why. Ooh. That's a horrible question. I, I know that you're awesome. Tell me why. Why are you awesome? Yeah. I was at a um I was at a meeting a couple of months ago and a similar type of question was asked, and it is uncomfortable. That's an uncomfortable question to ask people. It's a bragging thing. Yeah. I'm giving you bragging rights on a silver platter. I'm giving you free ticket, and then you can brag as much as you want. Yep. And and see what people say. Uh, doing a have done list of all the have done the things you have done in your in your life, and the things that why am I awesome, and what what makes me special, and. Uh, and pretty darn amazing. Yeah, I'm a 10 out of 10, right? Like that's bragging rights. We, there's not enough occasions for that. I like for it. People to, yeah. It's it's a good answer. All right, we're going to we're going to give you a score of 1092. My score is 1092? Yeah. And is it out of 1093? Um the scale is completely made up and the scoring is completely made up, so there's no scale. <laughs> That's awesome. It just is what it is. Uh, Dan keeps a detailed record of all the scores, and so he could probably tell you what the scale is, but um, it's it's not really one. But anyways, uh, congratulations. It was very great question, or very great great uh, answers for the questions. Uh, a lot of interesting concepts there to even unpack. We understand the frustrations HOA board members and property managers face when deciding the best solution for their HOA and pool security. Should we use a keypad? hand out keys, or install a key card system? Do we even need cameras? These are some of the questions that are difficult to navigate, and we're here to help. 
At LockDock Security, we've spent over 20 years working with homeowners associations and property managers to find a system that best fits the pool and HOA needs. Camera systems for the front gate or front entrance, key card systems for the pool gates, or simply updating the gate so that it meets safety and code compliance. We like to take the guesswork out of the process to answer any questions and help find the right solution. Our mission is to help you protect your people and your property, and that includes pools. Contact our team today to schedule your free consultation for your community. We want to dive into the conversation about um, this concept of imposter syndrome. I think I, I feel like the first time I ever heard the term imposter syndrome was a book that I was reading, and I can't recall which one it was, but it was in a book that I was reading, and I was like, oh my goodness, that is, that's a real thing. A lot of people, like, I think if you start to unpack a lot of layers, a lot of people deal with this. I'm doing something on a day-to-day basis, but I honestly, in my, in my gut, don't feel that I'm actually built for it or that I'm actually good enough to do this or because I know all of my own kind of uh, shortcomings, then I'm obviously not qualified to do this. And at some point in time, everybody else is going to figure out that I'm not qualified to do this as well. So, I, and, and, and I think even the most confident people struggle with this at times, right? Like that's just, just oh. a normal thing. Oh, absolutely. And me first, like if I bring you back when I was starting to build my business, um, I don't know, 14 years ago, I wanted to become a speaker mm-hmm. and um, I needed a video done. You need a video reel, right? So we hired three cameras, you know, one for the wide angle, one for, one, one for the close up and then one from the back to see the large audience. Just like right now, you have three cameras in your studio because your, uh, your show is pretty awesome and very well produced. So you need many cameras. So uh, the problem was, Chad is that we only had 20 people in the room mm-hmm. we didn't have a large audience so we kept asking them to move from one section to another so then when we put all the segments together it would look like there was a large audience and that video worked it got me a phone call from an organization who wanted me to train their sales force so I'm so excited uh, and then they asked for my rate yeah and it was at the beginning right I didn't have a corporate rate so I go <clears throat> oh, 250. I had no idea how much charge. So they say, okay, so for the four hour training, there would be a thousand. I almost choke, right? Because I, I meant 250 for the whole thing. Yeah. So I said, oh, yes, that's correct. $1,000. So when I hung up the phone, I should have been excited, mm-hmm. but I felt like a fraud. Yeah. Because I was hearing this, this voice in my head you're not a real professional speaker. You don't deserve a thousand dollar paycheck for the afternoon. See, the video I had made to make the audience look bigger than it really was. And then my made-up corporate rate, none of it was real. I was just trying to look more than I really was because I felt like just me Mm -hmm. was not enough. So I remember sitting in my office, hearing this voice telling me, you want to be a speaker like in English? You don't even speak English. I'm French, right? And you want to write books in English? You don't, it's never going to work. You're not good enough. And, and I've written 16, 16 books since, but that's when I realized I needed to shut down that voice inside my head. So I spent the last decade studying neuroscience and creating a system to reprogram our voice differently. And that's the system I shared in my 16 books and in all my online courses and on stages around the world and on one-on-one. Now, the voice was kind of right in my head. My English was really bad. I remember teaching yoga 
at the end of the class, you know, during the relaxation, you want them to relax their body, relax their face. And I wanted them to put their tongue on the roof of their mouth to relax their jaw, you know? So I said, put your thong behind your tit. And then everybody started to laugh. I didn't even know why. I had no idea what I had said wrong. Anyway, bottom line is my English was really bad. So small town girl here yeah. and I made it. So if I can do this, anybody can. There I'm you just go. Saying. <laughs> but, but it doesn't happen just to me. Research show that 85% of people lack of self-confidence in at least one area of their life. And we, we do trash talk ourselves mm-hmm. all the time, all the time. And you said something earlier about imposter syndrome, that we feel that we're not good enough, but imposter syndrome is very specific. It's not just like negative self-talk happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. 70% of our thoughts are negative. That's mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. 70% of our thoughts are negative. But imposter syndrome, when you talked about it, you said we feel that we're somebody is going to notice that we are not up for the for the task, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But this mainly happened to two values that people have. So depending if these are very important to you, you will are you will be more likely to experience imposter syndrome. The first one is perfectionism. If you if you are a perfectionist more likely you will have more chances of having imposter syndrome because you are waiting for everything to be perfect. And because you are pretty much aware that you are not perfect, Mm -hmm. you will feel that everybody else know, but they don't know because people don't hear the negative self-talk in your head. Mm -hmm. And you don't hear the negative self-talk in other people's head either. We don't hear what they say to themselves. They all look pretty amazing. Like, look at you right now with your white shirt, black jacket. You've got your stuff together. You look super confident. And everybody around us look like that. They, yeah. look like, they look like they've got their stuff together. So it's very um, impressive as people that are very perfectionist um, will have more imposter syndrome. And the second one is high achievement. So if it's important to them to reach high and to get to the next level, they are, they have one of those meta programs because I, I work in corporations with meta programs. If, if you want to hire the good candidate for your, um, for this job, very often it costs you like 20 grand just to hire that person because you need the, the scalper, well, not the, but the person that will look for the, the, the talent recruiter and all that. It, it, it's costing a lot of money to a business to hire a manager and a, a senior management or a director or a VP. You want to make sure you have the right candidate. So working with the Meta program, there's 66 internal driver that make us be motivated or driven to do something. Mm-hmm. And people who have the, the Meta program of, of constantly wanting to learn or never being convinced that that it's good enough because they, they want to achieve more and achieve more people with that meta program specifically will be great manager because you'll make sure that they continue to improve. They're not going to sit back and say, okay, good enough. Mm-hmm. And, and, and get the, the company on a plateau, but people with this that have high achievement more likely will ha- experience imposter syndrome because for them, they're never good enough. <laughs> there, there's always another level. So they will always think, even though they have achieved a lot, mm-hmm. uh, 
um, they will always think that there's more and more and more. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. And, and this may be a horrible example, but it's one that I've been kind of holding on to here recently because um, because I, I've recently been been reading the book. So Will Smith wrote a book, I guess, a autobiography, maybe a bad example with his recent Oscar situation. But I know he, uh, he, he in his book, he talks about two major things. Number one, uh, exactly what you're kind of referring to here. But he you would look at him from the outside. He's, you know, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, huge film star, all of these types of things. But in the internal, he's always struggled his entire life with feeling like a coward because of the way that he grew up in some situations that he dealt with with his family. He always feels like a coward. And so there's a lot of drive around him just trying to work outwork his feeling of being a coward. And then the second thing is, just like you said on the high achievement of, of just kind of never being satisfied, there was one story that he was sharing in the book about um, and I can't remember the film, but it was the opening day of one of his films, and it, it had reached the uh, the high the highest uh, grossing weekend of any film ever. It was like seventy seven wow. million dollars, and his manager called him to give him the news on Monday morning, and his response to it was, "Why don't you think we hit 80? You know, and he said there was no satisfaction in the seventy seven. That was a record breaking number. It was why didn't we hit eighty? What did we have to do to get to that number? Um, and, and, and ultimately, you know, as the story kind of unfolds and he continues to talk about it, it's, it's almost, you know, his, his entire team was so excited that they were able to accomplish this. And then his response was, well, we could have done better. So there's something that's wired into those types of people, and it fits into those both things. The perfectionism and the high achiever that you just talked about is – uh, you know, that constant feeling that you want to be perfect, you want to have that, you know, it, do we have it all together? But also, you know, that that Will Smith story, I'm a coward on the inside, so I'm constantly trying to overcome that coward uh, mentality. And then also, uh, well, this was good, but it's not good enough. And so what do we have to do to get better? Absolutely. Um, somehow, the thing that we have to do is to control our thoughts, because Things happen in our head, right? And we don't we don't use the brain enough. Um, we we think that we are that our thoughts are are serving us, and we should be planting our thoughts ourselves. So let let's talk a little bit about the brain. Um, there's so many parts that I love. I could speak. We could do another full blog on the prefrontal cortex, one of my favorite parts. Mm -hmm. But let's 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 stick today with uh, the logical mind and the unconscious mind. So let's talk about the logical mind. Um, logical mind can handle five to nine pieces of information at once. So that's cool. So that's why nowadays you can go grocery shopping at the same time that you're in a meeting on your phone, right? At the same time that you grab a can of soup on special, you keep your two-year-old from falling off the card and still notice the guy in the corner that's winking at the girl in blue in the seafood department. You know, mm -hmm. like you can do all that at once. And the problem is when you are relying on the logical mind, five to nine is not that great after all. Let's say you're driving to a new address and it's a beautiful day and the music is on and the windows are down and you start getting closer to that new address and you start looking at the numbers on the houses. Have you ever caught yourself, Chad, having to lower the volume on the radio? 
as you start looking at the numbers in the houses? Yes or no? Uh, well, I just don't listen to the radio, but yes, if it was loud oh. noises, I would definitely have to turn it down. <laughs> exactly, because when you have the foot on the brake and then the foot on the accelerator, there's a red light ahead that the kid that's about to cross the street, the lady that might cut you off, and then there's a weird guy in the car next to you winking at you, gross. So when you add looking at the numbers in the houses, mm -hmm. the music becomes the one too many. Yeah. So five to nine pieces is not that great after all. Living at a logical level, you're always constantly just trying to catch up. You're working really hard. Let's say you're building your business and you're like, okay, so I've got my goal and I, I want to build this business and I'm going to get there. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to work and accept clients until 10 p.m. And, and you have to take your kids to school and sport in between your meetings. And, oh, you have to post on social media. You have to start a podcast too. And now you need an account on Clubhouse. And you're working as hard as you possibly can but you're exhausted, you have zero life balance, you still have paycheck to paycheck, and you feel like you're getting farther and farther away from your dream life. Mm -hmm. It's like you're trying to go to New York City, but you're in an aircraft that's flying to LA. Mm -hmm. You can work as hard as you possibly can, but you're never going to get there if you stay in that aircraft. Mm -hmm. So people say, how do I get off that aircraft? And I say, stay on the aircraft, but talk to the pilot. And say, hey, bud, do you mind turning around? That's where I'm going. Like, <laughs> imagine how fast you're going to get there once the pilot is on board. So that pilot, I call it your personal assistant. So your personal assistant is in your head, writing down everything that you say or think and makes it, makes it happen. Their job is, to, is for you to be right about these thoughts. So the problem is people wake up in the morning, they look at themselves in the mirror and they go, so tired i'm so stressed out i think i'm getting weight so then your personal assistant writes it down tired stressed out getting weight got this okay tired what can i do for this oh i know i'm gonna keep her awake all night she's not gonna be able to sleep she's gonna be really tired in the morning check stressed out oh i'm gonna make her delete a very important appointment on her calendar Ooh, that's gonna be stressful check gaining weight easy i can find a chocolate bar something deep fried for her to eat tonight or if all fails, more wine tonight or more beer, whatever, right? So your personal assistant is listening to everything that you say or think and makes it happen. So it's very important to tell your personal assistant what you want, not what you don't want. Mm -hmm. right? My clients do this all the time. It's Natalie, I don't want to be stressed anymore. I don't want to be impatient with my kids. I don't want to rush everywhere. And I don't want to be broke. Okay. So their personal assistant hears it. Stress, rush, impatient, broke, got this, mm -hmm. right? we have to be very careful what we tell our personal assistant. We have to catch our thoughts immediately and, and change them. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm totally on board with it. I, I, I would categorize it in a similar situation inside of your, your business. If you don't have clearly established targets or goals, then the rest of your organization doesn't know where you're headed. So if you haven't painted a vision of where you're trying to go, then you're most likely not going to get there. And even worse, if you uh, painted the vision that is a detriment to your organization, then that's most likely the, the direction that you're headed. Um, and so I think what I'm hearing you say is we are, if we can, if we can start that or clear, clarify that in our own minds and our own personal lives, then it's, we definitely have a better position to be able to carry that out, whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish. Can you copy this key? That's a question we get asked about 3,422 times a year. And how can you actually be sure that the person who asked that question is supposed to get a copy of that key? 
Well, we think you should always know who can copy your keys to your business and your home because it could be your neighbor, an old employee, a contractor, or even worse, your mother-in-law. At LockDock Security, we believe in protected key systems, so you always know who has a copy of your key. To find out more, visit LockDock.net or stop by our Charlotte location. LockDock Security, helping you protect your people and your property. We need to know what we want, and that is the, that's the first step of my DNA system. The first step is the desire is what you want, and I'll, I'll talk about a kitchen renovation. So let's say you're renovating your kitchen, and uh, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to make a folder, mm-hmm. right, with samples of what you want. You're going to say, I want these cupboards, this countertop, this backsplash, this hardwood floor, the samples of, you know, the, the paint that you put on the wall. So you make your folder. But, and this is absolutely important, absolutely um, essential. You need to know what you want. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't even do that. They don't have clear target. And you're right. And, and it's important. A lot of people, you've heard of smart goal mm-hmm. uh, vision boards. I don't know if it's popular in North Carolina. Vision boards, very, very popular in, uh, in Canada. The, the problem is, this is just the first step, right? So, so you can't invite people in your folder. It's not a kitchen. You can't cook in your folder. It, it, it's not going to work. Yeah. It's just the idea. So if vision boards worked on their own, then everybody would be on the living on a deserted island, sipping martinis, driving Mercedes vans, you know, like, like really. All you have to do is it's just put it on the, the on the board. Just put it on the board and, and whoops, poof, it magically, you know, yep. the genie comes out of the bottle and, and it works, you know, that's not that. So the problem is from there, and, and I'm working with a big uh, law office. They have, I think, 102 lawyers. And the problem is they have established exactly what they want. They have their vision, they have their mission, all their corporate values. They, they break, broke that down in different departments. Each, depart- each department has some clear objective. Mm-hmm. And now what they're doing is they're trying to take this and implement it inside the organization. They're, they're trying to create new habits for these people. Mm-hmm have the new system that will save time and they're implementing these new habits but this is like taking your cupboards putting them over top of the existing cupboards taking the island that you're trying to put in your kitchen and put it over top of the existing island it's not going to work this is step three the implementation implementation is the a of the system the actualization but first you need to gut out the old kitchen you need to remove all the crap you need to remove the limiting belief, the trauma. If somebody has been backstabbed in a previous job, and I've worked with, with a lot of managers that it happened to them, then they come to this new corporation, new team, new everything, but they're still making decisions based on, I can't trust anybody. And if you can't trust your team, I'm sorry, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You need to get rid of this old limiting belief that was created by just you having a life. Everybody has a life, you know, like we... We eat food, food gets stuck. We need to go to the dentist. Well, I'm like a brain dentist. Like, what are the things that are holding you back? What are your bad habits, your limiting beliefs? The thing you know that you should be doing, but you don't do it. Why do we procrastinate? We know what to do, but we're like, these are things that get stuck and it's connected to our meta programs. It's connected to our 
trauma. It's connected to anger, fear, hurt, sadness, guilt. How many people are acting out of fear um, and, and out of emotions? I work with a lot of, of banks also, uh, RBC, CIBC, BMO, and, and the managers there, they, it's very important when they're in the financial world, you need to make decisions based on fact, based mm -hmm. on your skills, not based on emotion, because your daughter has uh, a drug problem <laughs> or, because, um, or because you have going through a divorce or because you're, you know, and we wish that people left their problems in their car as they park to get into the office, mm -hmm. but they follow you everywhere. So if you don't deal with the emotions, people act out of emotions all the time. I'm out of fear that if I don't do this, I might not get the big corner office or, or, or you can't stand your boss. So mm -hmm. everything that they say is wrong. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of decisions that people make that are based out of fear, out of uh, hurt from previous experience out of, uh, and, and, and you need to do that, gutting out the old kitchen, the, the end for new you, you need to, and that's what I do. I, I, I have specific protocols and some protocols are, are pretty daunting to try to do on your own. Like the, the protocol for PTSD uh, is 89 steps. Like mm. it, it's not simple. It's, it's quite, um, you know, an undertaking trying to do that on your own at a logical level because it needs to happen at, a, at an unconscious level. So in order to implement that new kitchen and then to go into implementation, you need to do some cleanup. So today I can give the audience a two-step technique. So not a, you know, it's like I'm giving, giving you like a, a super powerful toothbrush, let's say. It's not going to get rid of the cavity, mm -hmm. but at least you will avoid getting more in the future, mm -hmm. right? So, um, okay. So let's talk about this. Um, you've heard of affirmations. Yep. Is it popular? Affirmations? Yeah, you, you guys do that too, right? Oh, yeah. So affirmations ooh, ooh, don't really work unless you believe it and and problem is there's too big of a disconnect mm. all the time between what you want and between what you are if i work with the my brand is think yourself so if i work with the think yourself for marketing pro uh, program or think yourself for tech pro or think yourself confident or think yourself thin like let's say i work with the think yourself thin program with people that are highly overweight mm -hmm. okay they need to lose like 300 pounds. It's not going to work for me to say, okay, look at yourself in the mirror with your hands on your hips and say, I am thin. Your personal assistant is going to be, oh, no, we're not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what are you talking about? Or, or the Think Yourself um, Wealthy program. People, deep financial struggles. I'm not going to say, okay, stand tall and say, I am rich. Mm -hmm. uh, no, we're not. The personal assistant is like, what is she talking about? Oh, I know. We must be watching TV and she's watching a vampire movie. Vampires don't exist. I'm not writing this down. Mm -hmm. So here's a technique in order for your personal assistant to listen to what you have to say. So the first step is to rephrase what you just heard in the past. So let's say you hear yourself say, oh, I'm so stressed out all the time. Now your personal assistant just heard that. Then you're going to say, oh, no, wait. Uh, wait, um, I just said that I was stressed out and I was on, on, on the show with Chad Lingefeld and then he had this girl that was from 
Quebec originally that spoke French and could hardly speak English. And she told us that we had a personal assistant in our head. And now I just told my personal assistant that, that I wanted to be stressed out. Wait a minute, don't write this down. Mm -hmm. So you will say, I used to be stressed out all the time. Mm -hmm. You rephrase it in the past. So now your personal assistant is like, oh yeah, stressed out. I got this on my list right here. Mm -hmm. Oh wait, why are we talking about this in the past? Are we done with this? Mm -hmm. Do I scratch that off or what? Perfect. Now you got their attention. You go with step number two. Step number two is a progressive statement. A progressive statement starts with, I am willing to learn or I'm in the process of. So you hear, oh, so stressed out all the time. Wait, I used to be stressed out all the time. Now I'm willing to learn how to build a balanced life. Now I'm in the process of getting more calm. I'm, I'm willing to learn. So now your personal assistant has something to work with. And eventually, once your personal assistant is listening, then you'll be able to progress your progressive statement. And progressive is the key here. You want to keep progressive, progressing with, with, the, with your state, state statements as they become more and more true. So now you told your personal assistant, ah, that's what you want on your list. Mm -hmm. We're learning how to be more calm or so bad with technology. How many people are, have said that in the past two years, right? Because yeah. we're moving to, uh, to online. I'm so bad with technology. Well, I used to think that I was bad with technology. Now I'm willing to learn where it is that I have to click, you yeah. know, because we're not, we're not that bad with technology. We're really good at it because everybody's got one of those dopamine spiking device, right? We, we, we all do have one of those. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that we don't see this as technology but we went from this to this to this to this to this and all of a sudden there was no more keyboard and yet you could still find the pictures you took of your dog wearing a bikini because we figure it out we always do figure it out so remember that whatever it is that is your bad negative thought you can always use that two-step technique mm -hmm. to tell your personal assistant what you want instead what you're willing to learn what you're in the process of if that makes sense. No, I like it. I, I it's intriguing over over the um, the course of my life. There's been things that I've I've wanted to change or needed to change or whatever. And it's you know you get stuck in that uh, in that mindset where you just talk about the things that you want to change all the time or talk about trying to uh, do something different, um, but then putting action to it. And I see this as something of you're effectively setting your mind to taking action on something rather than just talking about uh, what you don't like. And, and I think that what I'm hearing you say in that same sense is when you're just sitting around talking about the things that you don't like or the things that you want to change, you're effectively just reinforcing those are the things that you're doing all the time. You're just kind of reinforcing that is the priority or the focus point. And so reestablishing that, refocusing that, and setting your mind to it is – the first step in actually being able to take action and be able to get, uh, get movement in that particular direction. Yeah, absolutely. Just repeating to your brain what you want. And, and when you like emotions don't last that long, mm -hmm. emotions are not designed to, to be that long. Um, what happens is that we, when we, when we experience something, um, whatever that is, we, we, we go into prefrontal cortex overload. Okay. So we somehow we experience an emotion and it's, 
it's like uncomfortable we're not too sure or we're, we're panicking or we're like what the heck is this you're scared you're not sure so emotion should last about 30 to 90 seconds that's it um, and after your first loop you should be able to exit the loop you should be able to um to to go somewhere else just like children right we've seen that in kids a lot children uh, are super happy and giggling and then 90 seconds later they're crying and it's temper tantrum and then oh 90 seconds after they're happy again so you're you get an emotion and then you're you're you have fear you're scared or you're panicking see that as if there was a truck in your driveway so there's a truck that entered your driveway that's a powerful emotion anger fear hurt sadness guilt uh sadness and fear these emotions are not negative they're just powerful so the brain does not know the difference between excitement or anxiety it's all created equally so when this emotion comes in if you decide that it's that it's overwhelmed if you decide that it's anxiety then your brain will shoot 1400 chemicals through your bloodstream to slow you down like cortisol like like things that will hold you stuck kind of mm -hmm. While if you decide that it's excitement or, or confidence or curiosity, then potentially your brain instead will send you a feel-good chemical through your bloodstream, like endorphin, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin. So these are all different depending if you're with people, if you're witnessing something, depending if you're moving, if you're exercising. Like mm -hmm. Every feel-good chemical has a different reason to be there, but Bottom line is you will receive some positive energy through your bloodstream. And whenever you, your truck is in your driveway, you need to open the door and receive the package. Because nowadays, if some, if, if some truck is in your driveway and you don't open the door, you won't have the gift. Well, I know that Amazon is just leaving it on the you know, <laughs> so in the rain outdoor it. and they don't care and someone <laughs> takes it or whatever. But, but in this analogy, the truck stays there in your driveway and it idles because people are busy. Something happens and then you ignore the package. You're like, oh, I don't have time for this truck in my driveway. No, no, no. I'm not going to like, I mean, I've got to smile because I'm in front of my coworkers. I'm in front of my clients. Everything is fine. And then you go home and your daughter's like, are you okay, mommy? Oh yeah, mommy's fine. Everything's good. Everything's awesome. So we, we don't have time to open the door. We ignore the package and then another truck comes in and then another truck comes in and another truck and all of a sudden you're stuck. You can't even go around on your bike anymore or walk by. There's you You're just stuck. And that's when depression starts. That's when severe disease can start as well because this stress causes disease in our body as well. Mm -hmm. So bottom line is your, your, your job, whenever there's a powerful emotion, instead of going through one loop and staying stuck in the loop, in order to exit the loop, you have to figure out what am I learning? What am I learning? And I'll give you a very good example. I am French from Quebec and I've been working in English mostly since I've been I've built my business. Two weeks ago, I went to Quebec to give a keynote in French, my first time working in French, mm -hmm. uh, nailed it, tons of followers, and I decided that in my business, I would start having one newsletter per month in French for my French follower now. So uh, I worked hard with my assistant 
uh, got this newsletter all started. We tested everything. Everything was amazing. And I sent my very first to this, you know, hundreds of people that um, want to hear from me. They click on the link and the link doesn't work. Oh, darn it. I was so upset, right? 90 seconds. And I'm like, how do I exit the loop? Mm-hmm. What am I learning from this? What am I learning? What, what am I going to become better at? So I went in and I found out that in our, I don't know if you know, but in French, there's words with accent. Okay. And there's a C with a little thing underneath. And there's an E with an accent on it. And these accents were in the link and they are not translatable. So, you know, in the link yeah. of the mm-hmm. page. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I've learned that. And as soon as I got my learning, I'm like, ah, perfect. This is what I've learned. That we don't put the accent. That's it. That's my learning. And, and then I moved on because now I know that in the future, I won't, I won't put the accents anymore. So yeah. try to figure out what have you learned from this? What are you going to become better at? In a year from now, when you look back at this event, what will you have learned? What will be, there's always a silver lining. There's always a positive learning. So whatever that is, find out what's in this truck so that the truck can move on. Because this truck is your ally. It's only there to make you grow. Always always there to make you grow to make to make you become stronger or or more powerful or, or whatever whatever it is that you have to learn from it so always go uh, go to that well you've given us uh, a little bit of uh, a a a two-step process you've given us a lot of information today um on on these topics and you know talking really about effectively controlling your mindset. I think that's really the the big takeaway that I've got from the conversation today is, um, and, and you, you've given a lot of interesting references to PTSD and to some incredible things that can, that can impact your thought process and impact the way that you respond to things on a regular basis. And so taking all of that and putting it into the context of what I'm doing on a daily basis and how can I make sure that I'm setting up myself to be the best I can for, for my team and for the people that I come into contact with um, by, by supporting myself well. So it starts there, and then uh, we can kind of walk through that uh, at a completely different level throughout the day. So uh, very eye-opening conversation today. Uh, you obviously have more information. You've got books. You've got courses. You've got all kinds of fun stuff on your website at thinkyourself.com. Ah, and Absolutely. You so, and if you, call. Uh, yeah, if you want a virtual coffee, I'm happy to offer your audience a free 15-minute call, thinkyourself.com slash schedule, uh, or to connect on, uh, on social. I'm Natalie Plamono-Thomas, so I think it's Self-Academy. Well, Natalie, thank you again for joining us today. It was such a blast. Uh, very high-energy conversation. Hopefully, you got some great takeaways from it. I've got some notes here. I think the, the really big thing, we do this all the time with ourselves, and, and I'm guilty of it as well, is getting kind of stuck in that kind of same mindset, that same rut, and rephrasing that conversation, rephrasing those thoughts in your mind of, what you're wanting to accomplish or what are you, the things that you're trying to change in your life, the things that you're trying to change in your mind. I think repositioning those um, in a past tense and really repurposing it for what you're wanting to accomplish. Those are some really great tips that we can all work on it. And really the, the 30 to second, uh, 30 to 90 second emotional loop uh, being able to get out of that is I think very, very powerful. 
You can find out more by visiting the link listed below. You can connect with uh, Natalie. Really fun and exciting conversation, uh, and you'll be able to get more from her as well. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. We've got more episodes on the way every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. We don't want you to miss a single one. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on the Coffee Break Podcast. Thank you.